Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll okay. never make any money doing that. How are you going to get the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try to sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. That was a really good job. I'm getting ready. I'm ready. You know, I wish I had thought of that. I never thought of anyone then. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Hey. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. We are broadcasting live on WLCB 101.5 FM from the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. I'm your host, Doris Nagel, and why am I here? Because I am a crazy entrepreneur myself. I've started or helped start at least nine different businesses and counseled lots and lots of startups and small businesses as part of my law and consulting practice. And who oh boy, have I seen lots of mistakes, and I myself have made many mistakes. So the goal of the show is to help provide some resources that will help entrepreneurs and small business people along the way and also provide some stories of people who have started their own businesses of different types to help inspire and to give tips on how to make your journey towards success faster and easier. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, suggestions, challenges, or if there's a guest that you think would be great on the show, or even if you want to be a guest, I'm always love to hear from you. D Nagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakesradio.org. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest in the studio. With us live today is entertainer and entrepreneur Lori London. I say entertainer because she is not only a singer, a songwriter, an actress, a graduate of Second City and a voiceover artist, but she's also the author of two award-winning children's books. You can learn more at her websites, LoriLondonMusic.com and LoriLondonEntertainment.com. I think most of us are pretty fascinated by the world of entertainment. I know I am. And Lori is an entertainer, but she's also an entrepreneur. I think lots of people think of entrepreneurs as the ones who start up tech companies like the next Google or Amazon. But entrepreneurs come in lots of different shapes and sizes and flavors. So she's not only an entertainer, but she's a businesswoman. And I'm sure as part of our show, she'll share what it's like to run an entertainment business, how to start one, how to grow one successfully, and some of the challenges and pains, growing pains along the way. Because without a good business and operating structure, you can have lots of talent, I'm guessing, but uh, it may not get you very far. So I think she's prepared to share some of the insights around that today. Along with juggling a day job, which frankly is another thing that's often a necessity for people starting out in the arts. So with that introduction, I haven't told you a lot about Lori's background, but I'm sure she'll share some of that. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce Lori London. Lori, welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for being with us today. Doris, thank you. I am very happy to be here today and uh, thank you for having me on the show. 
So, Lori, as I said, we didn't talk a lot about your childhood, where you're from, any of that kind of stuff. And I think part of that's the entertainment mystique, right? The entertainers just sort of come out of the mist, fully <laughs> formed, you know. Uh, but the fact is, is they're real people with real stories. So how did you know? When did you start start inklings that you wanted to be an entertainer and do something with all that talent? At a very young age, Doris. I'd like to start with a funny story, if I could. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I was probably, oh goodness, from the picture, just looking at it, maybe I was six at the most, and uh, I was singing my heart out, and I just love to sing. I always love to sing. It's at the core of, you know, a lot of things that I do and who I am. And I was singing, and my Aunt Carm and my mother were in the kitchen, and as the story is told to me, I don't really remember this, but uh, my aunt says to my mother, Geneva, she says... Um, that girl can sing. You know, you should take her for lessons. And I, I overheard this, supposedly, and I said, I don't need lessons. I already know how to sing. Wow. <laughs> so, so uh, well, it's so in, embodied in that, yes. I think, are some real truth. First of mm -hmm. all, that people who have a, a creative artistic bent, you see it pretty early. Yes. But there's also probably a stubbornness. Yes. <laughs> and belief in yourself that you need to have. Okay, so there's lots of us who put on little talent shows for our relatives and play around with the piano or sure. play in band sure. or sing or yeah. whatever. When did you know, though, that you really wanted to do something more serious with your, with your talent? I know the exact moment. Let me just preface it with this. On Saturdays, it was kind of a free day at our house. So you got to watch TV a good part of the day and, you know, there'd be cooking going on in the kitchen and it was just a fun day. And I loved to watch Broadway musicals. And I just, I would try to imitate the singing that was going on. And I, I had a real heartfelt love for that right off the bat. But to answer your question more specifically, I had taken a vacation to Kentucky, northern part of Kentucky. My dad had actually moved down there and bought a farm, a small farm. And Nashville was just, you know, maybe an hour drive. <laughs> so I'm a teenager. I'm probably like 18 years old. And I remember it no longer is, exists now, but it was the Barbara Mandrell studio. And it was just a little kind of a box studio. And you could go in, pay a little money, and you could sing to some tracks. And when I heard my voice with orchestrated music behind me, it was just like a bug that kind of just got me, and I liked what I heard, and I thought, oh, I want to do more of this. And then also in my family, uh, might as well go ahead and tell this, as this kind of connects with it, my dad, goodness, he was a um, a concert promoter for 50-plus years in the Chicagoland oh. area. He had big shows. Is that what they call empresarios? I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's another word, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. He had shows at the McCormick Place and on the south side, Lexington House, uh, Sabre Room, all these different theaters. So at age 13, or I was 12 or 13, 13, I think, I was asked by my dad, who knew I wanted to, I liked to sing. He says, do you want to open for Marty Robbins? And I oh was like, my goodness. yes, I would love to do well, that. Well, let me think about that for <laughs> about two minutes. Two seconds. seconds. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of ties in as well, big time. Well, I think there's another piece in there too, which is that being successful in entertainment requires good connections it does so you can either stumble into those connections but it exactly. certainly doesn't hurt to have some of those in the family 
Absolutely. So. Yeah. And I was just, I, <laughs> I guess you could say I was born into it. Had he not been my father and, and done the things that he did, uh, Perhaps I went into, I might have gone into musical theater, which really is at the heart of me. But, but I sing all sorts of different genres of music. We used to do a Patsy Cline tribute show called Patsy Meets Elvis. And at the end, I insisted that they sing a couple songs together because in real life they never did. They met once, but that was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you were a teenager and you got the bug. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you decide at that point that you really wanted to try to make a go of it in entertainment? Or is that just something that was in the back of your mind and at some point? At that time, it was more in the back of my mind. I mean, it was it was always in my mind. But for whatever reason, Doris, I never took that leap of faith at that time in my life to go to New York and, you know, walk the pavement and do all of that. And, you know... Apparently, I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to do this now instead, what I'm into now. So, But I still sing. I still write. Um, I still do shows. So, When did you decide that you could actually make some money maybe doing this? Oh, uh, at the risk of sounding, you know, like I'm patting myself. When I realized... I could make like $500 for a half hour, you know, of singing of something I like to do. So, and it's not about money, but that was an added incentive, of course. And I had a, I had a booking agent out East who actually I met, it was a connection. One of my dad's guitarists that he used on lots of shows, very talented fellow. And, um, he was talking to him and he said, you know, I want to put on, put on a Patsy Klein show out east in New York. And he says, oh, if I got the girl for you. So you're right. A lot of times it is, it's connections. It definitely is networking, but it's also putting yourself out there. This gentleman, the guitarist would not have known about me had I not done that. So, you know, it, it, it all kind of, it, everything's connected, I guess is what I'm meaning to say. I think I understand what you're, what you're trying to say. I'm also just wondering at what point you got the confidence to step out. I mean, do you think that's what holds a lot of people back? Because honestly, there are tons of people. I mean, I meet the neighbors, parents, other parents of my daughter's friends, you know, uh, all over the place. People who are like, oh, I always wanted to To be in a, Mm a rock band or I always wanted to be an artist or do this and that. But so many of them... Don't do that. I, I mean, even me. I was a piano performance major for two years, and wow. I turned I turned my back on it. So obviously, I had for a long time these visions of playing a concerto with an orchestra in sure. front of people, but I've never done it. So, mm-hmm. what do you think holds a lot of us back? Fear. It's fear in a nutshell. For for whatever reason, we stop ourselves. I mean, let's, let's be real, just bring it all down to, you know, bare, bare floor here. It it is, and, and sometimes people are walking around and I don't think they even realize that they're stopping themselves, you know, because we get caught up in life, right? You know, people get married, they have children, you know, um, for me and I can, they get a day job. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And then they get comfortable. That's another thing that happens. You get comfortable with what you're making, your lifestyle, right? That's a comfort. And this might be something you're not even like conscious about, but it's there. And then when you do become conscious about it, you know, everything can change. For me, Doris, and I can only speak for myself, when I had my epiphany, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, I had to go pretty far back. And I asked myself a question, and I dare everyone out there in your audience to ask themselves this question, if you like, 
when was the last time not only was I truly happy, but what, when I felt engaged and alive, just alive. Yes. When did I feel a part of who I am soulfully? Who am I soulfully? You have to ask yourself, who am I? What do I really want to do? Put all that other stuff over here. Put all the ego and all the, oh, I can't do this. Oh, oh I don't have enough money. You know, just for your own sake, just for two, you know, for three minutes, two hours, whatever, put it over here and just maybe write down. Who am I truly? What are my gifts? What have I always wanted to try and never did? I mean, you know, have a talk with self. And that's what I did. And I had to go pretty far back. And it was like, okay, I love to sing. It's at the core of who I am. I love to write. I never dreamed I'd be writing children's books. <laughs> but here I am doing that too. So it's great. But don't be afraid. Just meet yourself in the mirror if you have to, you know, and really have that talk with yourself. Forget about everything else that is clouding your head or your day or your life. Set it over there on the side and just have a one-on-one -on -one with yourself. Yeah. Wow. Therapy sessions. It is. It's, it's deep. Yeah, it is. It's, uh... <laughs> I think that's insightful not only for wannabe artists and entertainers, but it seems to me that probably resonates with people who want to be or have thought about being an entrepreneur of all different types. Absolutely. It really requires, yeah. I think, an ability to step out of your comfort zone. That is and, so true, Doris. Um, yeah. That's hard. Wow. Yeah. The older you get sometimes, too, until you reach a point like me where I think you get to a point where you're like, whoa, there's not too many more shopping days before Christmas. Yeah. Let I'm me just do this. Now. Yeah. Never... But can I, can I interject something? I, I just want to tell the listening audience, there is a freedom in this. Once you take that step, take a little step, take another little step here, take one here. You don't have to just dive off the deep end all at once, you know, unless you want to, and that's okay too, but just, because it does take a lot. It takes courage. It takes a belief is really what it takes. It takes a belief in something that you can't see maybe right now, or you can't even feel right now. A it, leap of faith. Yeah, truly. And I've heard that saying so many times, and I've heard people say, oh, go out of your comfort zone. And, you know, it, it's not only going out of your comfort zone, it's just doing something different. We all have this routine every day, especially people with the nine to five, you know, jobs, the regular job or whatever time you start of the day, you know, <laughs> might work nights. I don't know. But there is this routine. And I think our bodies get used to that. Our cells get used to it. Do something different. Just do something different. Lighten, lighten it, change it up so that you can have that one-on-one -on -one with yourself. And like I said, I had to go pretty far back. I was like, well, Gee whiz, when I was a kid, I liked to do this, this, and this. Am I doing anything even remotely close to that? Well, yeah, I am, but not really what I want to do. And when I started letting go of, of old patterns and thoughts and things, all this other stuff came rushing in, and it's, and it's all good, and it's fun. Well, I think you've, you've alluded to something else that I'd like to touch on as sure. well. So there's a leap of faith of belief that thing, good things will come regardless of the fact that you know there's a lot of risk and cost, whether mm -hmm. it's sure. financial risk, could be risk to your ego and having it bruised. Sure. Your idea doesn't work. People don't like what you do. Nobody's willing to pay for it. I think there's also a business side of things, and that becomes pretty apparent when I went to both of your websites 
there's obviously a lot of marketing that happens. Talk a little bit about some of the business aspects of building, just starting out in the business and then being successful in building it. What do you need to have in place? The word chutzpah came to me. (laughs) That's not even a word, but no. I have a passion for what I do. I recognize that passion and I honor it for starters. It's work. I mean, make no mistake, there is work involved. But again, as I just said, I'm, I'm passionate about what I'm doing. But for instance, I'll give you a great example. I didn't know if I wanted to self-publish or if I wanted to, uh, you know, write what's called a query letter and go to the literary agent that works at the big publishing company, you know, your random houses and Scholastic and so on. And I literally sat down, took a legal pad, you know, wrote one side pros, cons. And the pros to me did outweigh But also what your listeners need to realize, too, is I'm somebody who, since I was a little girl, I've been on stage, I've had exposure, I've been, you know, I've gained that confidence through the years of what I felt like I could offer to my audience. So I already felt like I could do the self-publishing part of it. But the funny part of the story (laughs) is I'm sitting there, I've got the query letter all filled out. I just told this story not too long ago. And I accidentally, I was sitting with my legs crossed in the bed. I'm on my computer and I accidentally hit the enter button, Doris. And I was mortified. I was like, oh no. So I, I get a letter back from, I don't know if it was the literary agent or her secretary. And she's like, this is very nice, but you want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row, you know? And I, <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you universe. Okay. I'm going to self-publish. <laughs> I mean, that might sound crazy to one person, but the pros did outweigh the cons on my piece of paper anyway. So I feel like I'm divinely guided. I really do. I think, though, there are those kind of decisions, but I'm thinking of even some of the infrastructure you have to have in place. It's a lot. Because you may have tons of talent, but if you don't have the structure in place to be able to find gigs, to market yourself, to send out demo tapes. I don't know what all your, but I'd love for you to talk about some of those things that you need to have in place in order to make all that talent be able to pay off a little bit. Right. Okay. Attraction. The person that you just described is me. I am not someone that went to school for this. I learned by example from the family I was born into. You know, back in the day, people stuffed envelopes and sent flyers, right, to get to get sales. Well, they're coming back to that. Are they by really? The way. I like yeah, that. It's more hard, personal. I like the, that. The actual hard-printed <laughs> mailer has, yeah. is making a comeback. What goes so around I comes read. around, right? Yeah. yeah. So, as a little kid, I was introduced to business. Not only ethics, but just, you know, a structure, if you will, uh, for lack of a better word, what you were saying, from working with my entrepreneurial father, (laughs) independent promoter person that I was, you know, exposed to since a little, being a little child. But going into that, once I decided to self-publish, I have learned a lot. I've learned about publishing. (laughs) I've learned about editing. I've learned, oh my goodness, about printing and and different companies. And I mean, I really was delving into an area that I knew nothing. I really didn't know anything. And so Google, yes, I'm a Google girl for sure. But what I wanted to say to the audience as well, it's always best, whatever industry it is, whatever it is you're wanting to do, go to the organizational websites because these are the legitimate they will tell you, like for instance, you're talking about associations. For ab- example. Yes, absolutely. You know, they will guide you 
to the correct and legitimate avenues of, for instance, um, contests for the books. My books have won multiple awards. Some of these you can submit for free. Right. Well, but there's a great example. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that when you were kind enough to share a copy of the book. Oh, and I my saw pleasure. The, you know, I saw the nice little stickers and I thought, all right, right there is a piece of block and tackling that you may write the greatest children's book, but it could just sit there. Absolutely. Unless you actively market it, mm-hmm. unless you get it into mm-hmm. the hands of people who can actually right. help you get it out there. Well, I seem to have a, you know, I give it back to God, but I, I have a natural gift for PR and for like advertising. I just do. And I, I assume some of that is probably from my background and growing up, but um, it just, it made sense to me that if people were going to notice my books, they'd need to have a few awards. You know, they'd need to have a few and some good ones. My books both have Mom's Choice Awards, uh, Pinnacle Achievement Awards. Congratulations! Um, thank by you, the way. That's thank fantastic. you, thank you. Yeah, Story Monsters Inc., which is a Maggie Award-winning magazine for children. And by the way, if you haven't checked them out, they're awesome. Uh, I got a Royal Dragonfly Award, uh, not only for the books but for the illustrations as well. My illustrator Heather Bonstetter, she's wonderful. And how do you even find out okay. about all these awards? I mean. <laughs> So you write this nice little cute children's book. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes a a village, and somehow you figured out how to put that village together. Somebody to do illustrations and somebody to actually physically print it and Mm -hmm. edit it and, and... I don't even know all the pieces. So, so this is where I get, I get spiritual again. I believe I'm divinely guided. I'm going to tell you very quickly how I got my illustrator. It was a wonderful story. My friend, Shirley in uh, Tampa, she invited me down. So I went to go visit her and she said, Oh, my friend Vivian is getting back into acting. Let's go support her at her play. I says, wonderful. So we get invited to the after party and we're there and we meet Vivian's friends. And this one gentleman I was talking to at the time, I didn't know, but a couple years back, he had been a CEO for the Florida Film Commission down there. So we're talking and we're all artist type folks, you know, and we're just having a good time. And I tell him about my character, Trippy the Fly. Right in the middle of it, he goes, stop right there. And in my head, right away, I'm like, what? What's wrong? (laughs) I didn't say that, but, and he's like, that's film. And I said, that's what I feel. I feel like it's film, too, because I'm seeing stuff in my head. I'm seeing a motion picture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, and it's the same thing with music. When I write songs, it's like, I'll, well, that's a whole other story. But I I hear all the orchestration, even though I don't play, really. I play by ear, guitar and piano a tiny bit. But anyway, so I said, well, that's what I feel with the, you know, the character. He says, when you get back to Chicago, he says, you need to get on the phone and call Full Sail University. And so I did exactly what he said. I was like an antenna. I received the information and I immediately got on the phone. And I'll never forget, the girl's name was Jennifer. I told her the story. I, she goes, oh, you need to speak to the student liaison here. His name's John Michael LeBaron. Wonderful person. He listened to my story about my little character who is a fly who can't fly. He doesn't know why. He keeps trying, but, you know, and that's part of the message. Uh, don't stop trying. <laughs> He's plucky. He finds other ways to have enjoyment in life. He can talk, read, write, dance, and sing, so why not? But anyway, John, he says, you know what? Give me a couple days to think about your character, and I'll look at people who have graduated and people who are still here at the university. And the minute that man told me that he was going to take a couple days to think about it, I was like, wow. What a gift, right? So he gets back to me, and Heather is on that list. 
I had checked a couple other people, but I did end up going back to her. And when I saw her website, she had drawn a pig with wings, like when pigs fly. Mm-hmm. And the stylized way she drew it was what I had in my head for my character. And I thought, this could be her. And it was her. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of nuggets in there, I think. One is is that if you want to pivot in your career or take advantage of some itch that you've got to scratch. I have lots of those, your, yes. your business. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think many of us do. Sure. But one nugget, it seems to me, is to find ways to surround yourself with people who are already there. Yes. You know, so if it's something in the arts and entertainment, find more ways to rub elbows Absolutely. with some of those people. And I think the other piece of it that I, at least what I heard, is that when somebody gives you a lead, follow up on it and ask for more leads after that because it's a journey and you'll run into roadblocks for sure that. So so what do you do when you run into a roadblock? Because in any kind of entrepreneurial venture, and I can only imagine in the entertainment world, there have to be roadblocks. Mm -hmm. There are, there are. And there have been some that affected me but I have changed, and I have, uh, in, in my own journey, I have, you know, I'm in transition, aren't we all? You know, one thing we can count on is change in this life, and I welcome it, I do. But, uh, yes, there have been roadblocks, and I am to the point now, and easy for me to sit here and say, but believe me, audience that's listening, I, you know, I've gone through some things, and uh, everybody does. But, there again, you have to constantly remind yourself of the bigger picture, the picture, the visual that you have in your mind of where you're going. Practice visualization. I do it all the time. Some people might call that manifesting. Maybe it is. You know, it probably is. But <laughs> And I've seen it happen many times. But you have to stay focused, be clear. Very important to not surround yourself with people who are, I'll just go ahead and say it, toxic or who, who don't celebrate what you're doing or, or not that everybody has to celebrate what you're doing, but you know what I'm saying. It's like what you just said, surrounding yourself with like-minded type people. Because even if nothing... Feed off the energy. Absolutely. Because even if nothing were to come of that, there is that energy. And that's what you need to be around. And you need to surround yourself with that. I don't know about you, but I found sometimes that being open to some of that energy is a kind of a little message or a clue that maybe my original idea wasn't quite right. Exactly. And be able to pivot a little bit. So I don't know, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe you had originally the idea of writing the great American fiction novel (laughs) and somebody somewhere along the way gave you the idea to write a children's book. So you have to kind of be willing to pivot a little bit and you do. go with the flow a little yeah. bit. You, you just made me think of uh, maybe some of the audience saw this. Maybe you saw it. Doris, last night they did um, a TV program dedicated to Stan Lee, and he wanted to be a novelist, but then he ended up doing all of this and giving us so much, right, for, yeah, for right. people to come down the pike. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, just be open. If something doesn't work, there's a reason it's not supposed to work. I'll give you a perfect example. And this isn't about what works or doesn't. I'm still I'm still pushing forward and in transition here. But I see Trippy, I always have. He's filmed to me. He always has been. But 
in my mind, I thought, well, he has to be a book first. You know, does he? I don't know, you know. And actually what ended up happening, because I'm a songwriter and a singer, I wrote both books before I even met my illustrator. I had both audiobooks done <laughs> before I even met Heather. Is that normal? No, probably not. Probably not. I but mean, for, but for me, I don't know but for me, it was, normal, but... I know, I know, I know. But for me, it was normal because I come from a singing background and a performance background. And so I love getting into the studio and doing voices and it's so fun. I have a blast. So that to me felt very natural. It's like, yeah, I'll do the audiobooks first. You know, it was kind of like that in my brain. And so then I knew, well, you have to do a book, you know, so it's like, okay, find a, find an illustrator. And then I didn't know I was going to meet these people down in Tampa, but I followed up on it. And then lo and behold, boom, there she is. So that happened. But this is all about connection, being open to things. And what I was getting at, and I've got a little sidetrack there with the music stuff, but I've had Trippy made into a plush. He's adorable. And I also had him made into a puppet. And so he has morphed and changed himself through this process as I am as well. And I, it's hard to say I'm not attached to these things because I am, but you have to find a place where it's like, okay, boom, that didn't work. Let's go to the next thing. Bada bing, bada boom, as they say. And not take it personally. Don't take it personally. You cannot wear things. And I've never been that kind of person anyway, thank God for me, but you cannot take things personally. And if you are self-judging yourself, stop it. You know, <laughs> Don't do that. Stop it. Life is for living. Sure, bad things happen, but you know, honestly... I just want to have fun. What's that song? Girls just want to have fun. Right. But, but yeah, I want to give joy. I see the faces of these little kids when I do these book readings. And then at the end, we try to do voiceover and I let them try to do the voice of Trippy and I show oh, them how to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I, give I hope them- you've got some of that videotape because I do. Mm-hmm. that's got to be absolutely priceless. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you to rewind the clock sure. back just a little bit. So mm-hmm. your business. I think first and foremost, if I understand your background correctly, you're you're a singer. Yes. You're a musician. Yes. How did you get to the point of deciding to write a children's book? That's I, quite a a leap, a pivot. It is a pivot. Yeah. And how how did you get there? Again, a gift from God, in my opinion. I work for a major airline, and at that time, I was um, the person that boarded you on the plane, the gate agent. They're called. And I remember distinctly this flight was going to Calgary, Canada. And I remember the flight attendant, she was very playful. You know, she was kind of like, you know, like me. (laughs) And so we were talking back and forth. And this little fly was hanging out on the JetBridge console. And me being kind of animated how I am, I'm like, don't go in the airplane. Don't, don't, you know. And he wasn't buzzing me. He was very mellow, right? So she sees him going back and forth. She looks at me and she says, I don't kill anything. And I said, I don't either. And I remember we high-fived each other, you know, (laughs) celebrating our lack of violence, you know. (laughs) And right at the end, I remember it was a 737. And this particular door, uh, the aircraft is actually a little little rounded there. So you have to stop the door and then continue to close it. Otherwise, you'll hurt yourself. And who do you think flies in? And the flight attendant looks at me. She shrugs her shoulders up. It's like, oh, well, okay, bye. And I shut the door. I thought about this little fly for like He's a going week. To He's going to Canada, you know? Oh, my goodness. So I had this on my mind for the longest. And I was like, well, why didn't he just fly there? I don't understand, you know? And I thought, well, he instinctively, I mean, to me, he immediately, immediately, I should say, I knew that he was little. 
and he was a youth. You know, he was a youngster, basically. I don't know why. I also felt that he was male. So this went on for a week, and finally, this thought comes into my head, thank you, God, and says, he can't fly. And my thought, back to my thought, was, what do you mean he can't fly? You know, why? And those are adult issues. Don't go there. And then right away, I was like, oh, my gosh, could this be a children's book? And then my ego said, oh, you don't write children's books. You write songs. You don't, you know. And I'm like, shut what up. You, what do you know about that? Yeah, what do you know about that? That's how my ego would sound, I suppose. If That's I had a voice. Yes. Keep your day job. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I basically, you know, I was like, no, get out of here, you know. And I was, I was like, no, it could be a children's book. I think this would be a really awesome children's book. And then he just developed from there. And uh, now on his second journey, the first one is called Trippy Takes Flight. That's a very Chicago-esque book. Um, you'll see very well-known things of Chicago downtown buildings and so on, Navy Pier in the book. But what happens in a nutshell is he goes to the library and he meets the great book. And the great book tells him about all the cool places he can go and how to get there. So little Trippy becomes very inspired and he hops a 747 to Paris, France. And in the last scene, you notice I say the word scene because everything is filmed. You turn the page and he's in my favorite spot on the 747, which is up in that top little bubble in the window. And he opens the book and you see him reading and it says, learn how to speak French. So by the time he gets there, Doris, he's fluent. And uh, one thing about Trippy, he does get a little, um, a little teary-eyed, a little verklempt sometimes, you know. And it's okay. <laughs> and I remember telling Heather in the first book because he he actually gets teary-eyed in that one. And I said, I don't ever want to see him crying again, you know, like in the second book. So if I tell you to have him weepy, remind me. And then all of a sudden, it occurred to me, it's okay to get weepy. It's okay to cry. And there's another little little message there. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool, you know. <laughs> so I have to ask you, yes. do you think Trippy is an alter ego for you in some ways? Yes, many ways. Yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah. <laughs> My sister Constance, Connie, she said to me very early on, she goes, you're trippy. I said, no, I'm not. She's like, yeah, you are. I'm trippy. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm, you are. Yes, you are. There's a song <laughs> right there. Another thing, too, I want to hug my, giving her a virtual hug, my sister. I said to her at one point, because like I said, Doris, this was all new to me. I'm diving into places that I've never been before, right? I said, well, the next thing I need to do when I was doing the audiobooks is to find a narrator. And she stopped me dead in my tracks. She goes, no, she goes, you need to narrate the books. I said, really? You need no trippy better than Yeah. Anything. And she says, you know, you've got a great voice. It would be, it would sound good. And had she not said that, I don't know, maybe I would have hired a narrator. Maybe I wouldn't have, but I always was so grateful to her for uttering that to me because I have more fun in the studio doing the voices and everything. Yeah. I wanted to ask you what's your favorite part about being an entrepreneur, but it sounds like that might be actually a hard question for you to answer because there's so many parts of it that I you clearly enjoy. You know what, Doris? I do, but there is a word that just came to me. Yeah? Freedom. Freedom. It's a freedom to do whatever I want to do with, with these characters or with my voice. I've been very fortunate, my friend. Um, he's passed away now, but uh, he was my booking agent out east, and he would always say, Sing whatever you want, Lori. I love your voice, but just know that if it's something I really, really dislike, I'm going to say something to you. I'm like, okay. You know, so I was always given that loose rein, if you will. Like the, nobody ever really tried to control what I was doing, which is great because that's something that I probably wouldn't allow anyway. So, <laughs> you know, you have to be your own person. So I have to ask you the flip side. Sure. What's the part you like the least about the entertainment world? Wow. 
I guess I would have to say the paperwork part, or not, it's not paperwork, but now it's computer, you know, just this, the business end of it, uh, you know, having to, uh, billing and that, those type of posting on social media. You know what? Right now I still like posting myself, but it's getting to be not so much fun as much anymore because I'm having to do more of it. And that's just the truth of it. It gets routine. Quite frankly, in my experience and Mm -hmm. talking to people, it needs to be routine for it to be effective. Yes. That's one thing of your audience posting. Um, some people will do it more than once a week. I can just barely manage once a week, you know, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, of course, Facebook. And then Trippy has his own Facebook page. He has over 13,000 followers, which I love. <laughs> He's my Pinocchio and he has. Everybody very... wants to know how to go viral. Well, just be a fly, a fictional character. A fictional character that... that doesn't exist and they love you. Yeah. So how do you find the various gigs that you do, whether it's singing or whether it's reading books for children's groups. How do you find all these different gigs? Well, locally being in the Chicago area, I just went into the store. Okay. I went into Barnes and Noble, my local Barnes and Noble. I'm very hands-on. And I just said, I'm an author. My books have won these awards any chance of you featuring me for a book reading? And they said, yes. Literally pounding the pavement. Yes, yes. It works still. Yeah, it does work still. And and I've made phone calls before. Um, I was in Florida at a Barnes & Noble there in Tampa, which was great. Now, you can also contact their corporate office, and if they like you, they'll they'll start booking you as well. Uh, I haven't gotten quite there yet. You know, having the full-time job, it's it's a balancing act that I'm doing. Uh, and I, it's okay. Everything... We'll start changing. And I already noticed things changing towards not having that regular job. So that's a good thing. That's an aspect that I think is pretty typical, but Mm -hmm. also I think really interesting and hopefully for our audience because lots of people, as I alluded to, have some sort of artistic talent, Mm -hmm. some creative juices that they, they would love to find an outlet for and maybe make a little money, maybe even build a business around. Mm Mm-hmm. But they have to start somewhere. And so you've alluded to having a day job. How do you balance having the day job, both from a time perspective, but also just from an energy perspective? Because it can be pretty draining, especially doing a day job. You're it's probably your heart. It's probably not what your heart would choose if you were, were, Mm -mm. you know, were making the choice. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I pretty much work all the time, so I'll just let everybody know that. But you're right. You have to balance. And when I notice if I start feeling fatigued, then I have to cut back a little bit. I should already know that before I feel fatigued, but I haven't mastered that quite yet. But I'll, I'll, I'll go work my job, and the minute I'm off, I'm immediately doing something with regards to promoting these children's books. You know, my way of relaxing is watching an old movie or something, a good Capra film or something like that, or even a cartoon, because those inspire me as well. I'm a big kid, Doris, in case you already haven't figured that out. But uh, it's not easy to balance all of that. And I'm tired a lot. Yeah, I am. And I have to watch that because I don't want to get sick, you know, because then then what am I going to be doing? So yeah, you have to be very mindful and, and also be very clear about, you might have... 15 things you want to do this month, but which one of them is more important? And 
I'm constantly, I have like a huge desk calendar that I write everything on so I can keep it all straight because it's a lot. And some months are busier than others, you know. And I, I think that's a challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. particularly when you're trying to build a side hustle, if you will. Yeah. It, is that there's not enough hours in the day. True that. Even if you're doing it full time, there's yes. probably not enough hours in the day to do everything you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so choosing those battles, those tasks that you think are going to have the best payback each and each and every one of them, each and every minute is, I think, a valuable piece of advice for entrepreneurs of all sorts. Absolutely. I've spent lots of money on things that when I look back now, because I've been at this a few years, I look back now and say, you know, that was probably a waste of my money. But on to the next thing. I, I don't, I'm not somebody who lives in the past or worries or frets about that. Okay, so that was perhaps not the best decision. So learn from it. But honestly, for me, with books, I just felt very strongly he needed to have some awards to help him get more noticed. And I was right. And then book signings are great. They also give back to you as well as an artist because you're interacting with your audience, which are little kids and their parents and their grandparents. And it's so fun and it's joyful and it's just a really nice energy. It really is. And uh, so I get something from it for sure. I'm not just there to sell books and get the word out. I'm there to enjoy myself as well. And, And that's another thing. I like to have fun. I mentioned that before. If the fun leaves this, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing it or I'll stop doing it. And I don't see that happening, but, um, you know, pivot and do something else. No exactly. Doubt, with your creative energy. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So I have to ask you. Yes. In all the years of doing things in the entertainment world, because we haven't even talked about some of your acting, <laughs> uh, your acting stints and uh, songwriting and singing, you've got to have some funny stories or some, I do. some memorable stories <laughs> to share. I do. Well, one of them I already shared about accidentally hitting the enter button. That was more, <laughs> that was more like OMG moment. <laughs> I'm laughing at it now, you know. One time when I was on stage, this particular show, it was one of those Patsy Meets Elvis type shows and, uh, beautiful theater. Uh, Doug Church was the, um, actually it was his show. I take that back. It was not the Patsy Meets Elvis. It was a Doug Church. Uh, he's an Elvis tribute artist. Oh, Tri- tribute artist. Well, I would yeah. said impersonator, yeah, but that's probably yeah. politically incorrect. Yeah. Oh, there's a big whoop-de-doo about that among people who do that oh yeah sure yeah anyway but he's a tribute artist and he's a very good one but anyway I was opening for him so my my theme was the women of country music so I was going all the way back to Kitty Wells Patsy Cline and coming on up right with the big okay this was the Richmond Theater in Richmond Virginia beautiful art deco they had redone it just gorgeous stage sound beautiful don't ask me why I would feel like I was going to slide in heels onto the up to the mic, but I don't know. I guess I was feeling really happy about going out there and singing. And I come up and I did this little slide, but I grabbed the mic, Doris, and it was a corded mic. I pulled the mic out. Didn't even like I wasn't even conscious that it had come out of the cord that was holding it. And I go to belt out my first note, and there's nothing. And then the audience starts laughing. I'm laughing, and then I put the mic back in the cord, and I just out of nowhere decided to do a um, 
Howdy, you know, Minnie Pearl. For people out there who know who many remember who well, Minnie your Pearl is. Certainly did. Yes, they did. And they were all laughing and I said, Wow, what a way to start the show and I you know, and it was great. From there on out they were yelling things out. Yeah, they were you yeah. lucky you didn't land on your keys. You're not kidding. You're wow. not kidding. I know Funny. I don't know what possessed me. It was <laughs> just did it. It was crazy. Another time my sister Terry, she used to sing with me for a few years there and um I know she was on that show, as I recall, and um, I think it was me. I'm pretty sure it was me. I don't think it was. Yeah, it was me. It was me. Come walking across the stage, and this was the old Lexington house. They tore it down about a year ago. It was on the south side in Chicago. Um, Actually, Oaklawn, I think. But walking across the stage, and although they had a carpet, a thin carpet thing over, this must have been a pretty big wedge in the wood that was missing or whatever. My heel, I literally walked out of my shoe. And I didn't have on a long dress. I didn't have on a long dress. So I was like, kept walking and I'm still singing and I turn, I turned as I'm singing and I just bent over, kept singing, put my shoe on and they're laughing and I'm having a good time. I'm a bit of a clown, I guess. And, uh, well, you know. that's why I have no doubt your second city improv training. Uh, oh yes. Probably yes. really helped you out yeah, there because, yeah. uh, the world of improv is all about going with really weird situations and just rolling with it and making the best it's it's letting go and having no ego whatsoever i mean i've 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 been in some weird situations in classroom all of a sudden i'm i kid you not you know do you remember one that was called freeze tag or freeze frame or something like that yeah yeah, yes two people could be three we're doing a scene and then someone in the audience yells freeze and you have already figured out that you can fit in that scenario somewhere but now you're gonna switch it up you know and i think the guy had his arm down and so then I decided that I was going to be his dog on a leash but then I attacked him (laughs) it was great fun it was some of the best times I've ever had I'm still friends with a couple of people from there would you recommend improv for people who are uh, maybe afraid of stepping out yes 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 unlock to help them unlock oh god yes it's a wonderful program and you know, we had people in our class, Doris, who uh, I remember one girl, she worked for some very prestigious international firm. She spoke Japanese, but I mean, she just, she was terrified to speak in front of people. So this is why she came to be at Second City. Another fellow, I'll never forget, he was a prosecuting attorney <laughs> there in the city. So you had every kind of shape and, and then you had some people who were actors. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. I just thought it would be cool to do and... I knew that it could only enhance whatever I already had been to that point, you know, whoever I was. Well, we're almost out of time. I'd love for you to touch on, though, some of your upcoming projects and plans and ideas that you're working on. Oh, there's so many floating around in my head. Okay, well, uh, I've met some very lovely people in California who have become very instrumental in some things that I'm wanting to do. Uh, About a year and a half ago, my lawyer in New York, he submitted what I had thus far, which was one book and two audiobooks at the time, to Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, there's interest, but they want to see a cartoon short. So now we are putting together a cartoon short for that submission. So it's very exciting. Another media It really is. That you're learning about. It really is. And my other friend, although he's not come out and actually said it, but I know what he means, he sees me as some kind of a potentially some kind of TV show host for kids. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm open to it. You know, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> so You should think about having a radio show. You know what? There I you love go. radio. That would be fun. Well, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> okay. 
One last question. Yes. What advice would you give to budding entertainers and maybe even entrepreneurs about growing your business? There's two that come immediately to mind. One is, and I'm going to look at this for myself with regards to funding for the plush for next year, because it is expensive. You know, it is. I've spent loads of money (laughs) and and well worth it though. You know, I don't regret any of that because this is part of it. You have to invest in yourself and invest in your dreams, you know, and believe in yourself. That's really it in a nutshell. Don't let anybody or anything deter you. If you have something that you love that gives you joy, don't stop If there are people in your life that are thwarting that, get away from these people. (laughs) I mean, I'm being serious. And surround yourself with loving, caring people who, who like the same types of things that you like and be joyful, be joyful. Even if you don't, even if you don't get what you're thinking it's going to be because make any money doing it. Exactly. Because again, I'm a spiritual person, you know, God's got this and maybe what you think you're going to be doing. Look at Stan Lee. This man thought he was going to be writing novels and look what, look what he accomplished and gave back. That's the important thing to give back. Yeah. Right. I appreciate you coming on the show today. I can't thank you enough for being here. Doris, my pleasure. So if people are interested in learning more about Lori London and all her many creative gifts and talent or are interested in contacting you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Either website, uh, they're both linked down at the bottom on the face of each page, page, excuse me, there's a link that will take you back and forth from the Lori London Music to the Lori London Entertainment. For booking engagements, for singing, of course, that you would go to the music site for booking engagements. For uh, an author reading, perhaps, uh, that would be the entertainment site. There's also video on both sites. Um, there's voiceover on both sites. So those would be the two main ways. Um, my books are available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. All you have to do is Google, oh, Trippy the Fly, I'm so happy to tell you this, is now a registered trademark for his name and his his logo. So super huge on that. Yeah, thank that you. Cool. <laughs> Doris, thank you so much for having me on. It's been so lovely to meet you. Thank you again for being here. I <laughs> My hope pleasure. I, I hope our listeners have enjoyed learning a little bit about Lori's entertainment career and how she's built a business from frankly a side hustle and growing her business around that and and just sharing stories of what it takes to be an entrepreneur and and to be successful at it so to listen to an on-demand recording podcast of today's show which will be available shortly but along with free other information and resources for entrepreneurs you can go to my consulting website www.globalocityservices.com or to my law website for com, where I work with small businesses and especially startups. Don't forget to email me or reach out to me if you'd like to shoot the breeze or share challenges, topics you'd like to hear about, dnagel at lakesradio.org. Folks, be sure to join us on Saturday, January 4th, when our studio guest will be John Sartoris. He's the founder of the Sartoris Group CPA firm, and he'll be talking about a topic that a lot of businesses, especially small ones, struggle with, big ones too, though, the difference between an employee and a contractor, or what's referred to as a 1099. And getting it wrong could be pretty costly, so don't miss that show. And until then, folks, happy entrepreneuring.